Okay, picture this scene. Jesus and his disciples were in this boat, and suddenly this storm arose, and the disciples were subject to the chaos of the water, the roaring waves bashing against their boat. Can you imagine the terror the disciples must have felt facing the possibility of perishing into the deep, dark waves of the water? Matthew chapter 8, verse 25 says, And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. I love this story. (laughs) One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Jesus kind of rebuked his disciples, didn't he? Why, Why did you wake me up? What are you afraid of? You have little faith. Now, at first glance, I can kind of resonate a lot with the disciples. <laughs> you're in a boat. You're being smashed by these waves. There's so much chaos and danger around you. What was Jesus saying? Why, was he, why did he respond like that? I think one thing we can learn, it's very important for us today on this feast, is that we need to remember who was in the boat with them. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, was in the boat with them. They had no reason to fear because the sovereign King of the whole universe was with them. And he was completely unfazed. (laughs) He was asleep. And with his words, the chaos disappeared and everything returned to perfect calm. It's a great image because today we acknowledge that in life we can go through darker seasons. Seems like it's chaos, and it, it feels like sometimes that Jesus is asleep at the helm. Sometimes it's so easy to forget that when stuff goes wrong and there's darkness and chaos, that we forget who is close to us. Today we remember that Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, is always in our midst. See, throughout the ages, the church has used the image of a ship um, to describe the church. You know, that's a great image of Peter's bark, the ship of God, moving along. We're like, in the, as a church, we're in that boat with Jesus. He's with us always. What does the Bible say to us as Christians that we are to do in the face of chaos and darkness? How are we to respond uh, if we were those disciples, <laughs> when we're facing darkness and chaos. When in darkness, turn to the light. The Bible actually says a lot about how we Christians are to respond to darkness. Right from the very beginning, and it, there's this theme of light and darkness all throughout the Bible, right to the very end. I'm not going to read you the whole Bible. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> but... I'm going to give you five points, (laughs) five points that break open how we're to relate to the king of the universe and how he's taught us through this beautiful imagery across the Bible of light and darkness, how we're to respond to the chaos of life. Sound good? Okay, good. (laughs) We'll keep going. It's okay. (laughs) Five points, only five. (laughs) Firstly, let's skip right to the start of the Bible in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, 1. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, 
the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's going to make a quick side point. <laughs> this, this first chapter this, of Genesis, there's two creation stories. Now, they're not scientific texts as, as we understand them today in the modern world. They're not derived from empirical study and testing hypothesis. They're beautiful poetry. We won't read these two books as if we were to read a science textbook. But... But they're full of truth, full of theological and spiritual wisdom. Okay, side point over. If I said something wrong, I'm a new priest, don't, don't blame me. <laughs> There's so much truth in them. Here we go. God turned this chaos into calm by light. Light is a great symbol of life in the Bible, and it continues the whole way through. Life is dependent on light. Biologically, plants need light, don't they? We need plants. Animals need plants. Light's important. <laughs> God is saying, I'm the light of the world. He's the source of, of light, of life. See, that's point number one. Point number two, let's move on. Light orders the chaos. See, when God illuminated the darkness, he created divine order. He separated light from darkness. He created night from day. Eventually, a few, few days on, he, the sun and the moon, who were to rule over the, the nighttime and the day. And basically, it's a symbol showing us that what God brings is peace. What he brings is a divine order. Like, the, like Jesus in the boat, there's chaos, darkness all around. Notice how I was using those words. And then Jesus calmed the ocean. That's our saviour, Jesus, the king of the universe. He's our rescuer. He orders things when they need ordering. Brings them into his divine ordering. Point number three. The light of Christ reveals what is his hidden. Light in the Bible is also this great image of personal illumination. The light of God reveals the good things within us and the areas within us that are darker, that need healing. In Ephesians 5, it says, For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness. Rather, expose them. We want the Lord, it sounds harsh, but it's so beautiful, to illuminate all the parts of us, expose the parts of us that we need him to heal, that we need him to take from chaos and bring to calm, to take from darkness and make light. Let the Lord show you what he wants to help you with. Point number four, we're almost there. <laughs> light is a great symbol of God's sovereignty. See, when God created, it was just these words, and all of a sudden there was light. If we skip ahead to the Gospels, I told you I'm not going to read the whole Bible. We're going to miss all the prophets, the kings, and okay, anyway. Go to the Gospels, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him 
Not one thing came into being. That's what he said. You know, he's the source of all life. What has come into being in him was life. He's the source of our life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it or overcome it. That's my point. There is nothing so dark, there is nothing so beyond reach of God that he cannot light it up, that he cannot fix it. Jesus restores all things. He's sovereign. He's powerful. As, as Christians, we're about to celebrate Jesus coming into the world at Christmas, and John saying, the light has come, Jesus, and he's overcome the darkness. Have you ever struck a match in a dark room? It's this beautiful image, isn't it? That even a little, little bit of light just overpowers the darkness of that room because light is more powerful. God is more powerful than any situation. Disciples, when you're in the boat, Jesus was sleeping. Remember, Jesus is more powerful than every situation. They wouldn't have been afraid. <laughs> point number five and last point, I promise. We will have the light of Christ, the light of God forever. It's an eternal promise. All of what we're speaking about, life, we're speaking about him illuminating our paths, being powerful and keeping us safe and in calm, that's our eternal promise as Christians. There is so much the Bible says about light and darkness. And right at the end of the Bible, we're going to skip a lot, we get right to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelations, it's a great, great way of reading the Bible. Just read the front and the back and the middle. That's easy. No. <laughs> it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven. So when everything will be restored, there's a new city, a new, a new something, a new city of God. And it says here, the city does not need sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Living in the world today, we need the light of Christ to, to illuminate our paths. There's, there's, of course, there's still darkness. There's still chaos that happens around us. And God breaks through. But eventually, there will be no need for that because he will be our light forever. It's this beautiful image of Jesus as a lamb will give us his presence, his peace, his protection, his life forever. That's what's at the back of the Bible. If you've made it the whole way through, <laughs> you get that beautiful text. The sun, in, in Isaiah 60, it says, The sun will be no more, be your light by day nor the brightness of the moon shine on you. The Lord will be your everlasting light. Beautiful. So what do we do? Why am I, re- why am I explaining to you these beautiful biblical images of light and darkness, of what God's promised to us? Well, because today as we acknowledge that Jesus is king of the universe, we want to learn that how to relate to him, how to move from the darkness and put on his light. See, St. Paul says, The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us throw off the works of darkness and put on the armour of light. See, if we're to put, be followers of Christ as his king, as his soldiers, as people who follow him, we're to put on 
the armor of light. If we want to be courageous and fully flourishing and live our lives to the best, we're to stay in the light. How do we do that? Well, there's two ways, speaking practically now. To put on Christ's light, to put on the armor of light, firstly is to imitate his character, and secondly is to have deep relationship with him. First point. The gospel today speaks about how we imitate Christ's character. We're to care for the little ones. If we care for the most vulnerable in society, if we look after those who are sick, naked, hungry, in prison, um, etc., we are imitating the character of Christ. And in fact, so beautifully today it says we're even doing that to Jesus. Through them we're doing it to Jesus. Amazing. We want to open up to character change. See, Jesus laid out to us very clearly in the Gospels all these beautiful lessons about how we're, to, how we're to change our character to be more like him. The certain goals we're to achieve, and it's to care for the vulnerable. It's to be poor in spirit. It's to be like him. How do we do this? Well, we, we go towards him. We enter into deep relationship with Jesus. Even though it doesn't really work with my analogy, we wake him up, <laughs> we shake up Jesus, and we say we want to spend time with him. The closer you are to Jesus, the more you become like him. The more you seek Jesus, the more your character becomes like him. It's this beautiful thing. The more you do his works, the more you, do, the more you become like him as well. Now, the obvious answer is prayer. Prayer was never meant to be too difficult. Prayer was never meant to be this, this thing that was so hard or so boring or yet it's hard to focus that it's just, it's beyond us. See, prayer is our spirits coming in contact with God's spirit. It's a contact. It's an encounter with God. If I were to give you one suggestion as you open up today for as we're starting the journey towards Advent and Christmas and welcoming Jesus in a new way, how to pray, some practical ways. I want to ask you, it sounds funny, but just bear with me, what would be the funnest, most enjoyable prayer experience that you could have? What would you enjoy most to do, to pray? How, the most enjoyable way you could think of to pray? If I'm to be honest, okay, don't judge me, I'm an old soul. It would be to get a deck chair in the garden, cup, cup of coffee, um, depending on the weather, you know, maybe a blanket, you know, a Bible with pictures. Don't judge me, okay? <laughs> and then just chill, look at the stars. You know, that's, that's kind of me, right? I like just chilling. Other people like going for a walk. Other people um, like listening to praise music as they drive to work. What do you like doing with Jesus? Have you got something? What would you like to do? See, it's okay to start off with something you really enjoy doing. In fact, it really works. How would you like to spend some time with Jesus before Christmas? Because the more we move towards the light, the more it consumes us. When you open up to the light of Christ, to his, his sovereignty, it floods. It floods the darkness. It's like you wake up at night time and you have to get a glass of water 
and getting to the light switch is always a mission. You know, you're stumbling over things, but as soon as you flick the light, it's like, okay, we got this. (laughs) I can walk through the corridor in peace. (laughs) Let's move towards the light. Let's move towards the light of Christ because he is the king of the universe, all-powerful. It doesn't matter what darkness surrounds us, what chaos abounds, Jesus is near us. Run to him. As Psalm 4 says, Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Let thy light of your face shine on us. Amen. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate, or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.